you are listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. For more information about our church, you can find us at heightschurch.org. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I'm invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, if you've got an iPhone or, or maybe a Bible in your hand, uh, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 as we're going to look into the Word of God here in a moment. But let me open up in prayer as you're turning there. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for these kids this morning that we've been able to spotlight in our time of worship we thank you for each one of them, and we, we pray this morning that each one of them are going to grow to be young and men and women of faith. Uh, they're going to grow to be adults of faith that are going to do great things in your name. And so, Father, I, I pray uh, that just as Colton and Madeline did such a great job reminding us of who you are, that as we come into your word, uh, we understand who you are and our responsibility that we have uh, to raise up a generation of disciples. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let me ask you this. Uh, when have you heard this phrase used? Whatever it takes. You know, maybe it's uh, when you are playing sports and at the halftime of, you know, your football game, the, the coach gathers you as a team and says, all right, men, whatever it takes, we need to win this game. We got to go out in the second half and do whatever it takes. You know, maybe it's in the doctor's office, and you're sitting there getting your blood pressure worked on, and they take that test, and they've got the blood pressure cuff right on your arm, and your doctor says, listen, whatever it takes, you've got to lower your blood pressure. Or maybe it's as a parent. You're sitting there with your child, and you say, whatever it takes, you've got to get your grades up. Or I know this one hasn't ever happened to you, the bottom right there. You're watching football, and your wife comes up to you and says, listen, whatever it takes, you have to get your honey-do list done, right? See, if we are to be a people that are to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ, do we have a do-whatever-it-takes attitude? Is that your mentality? Is that your attitude? You are going to do whatever it takes takes to reach people for Christ? Or have you fallen into the trap of believing the Christian life is all about you? Have you fallen into the trap to think it's just about your wants and your needs and your preferences? See, sadly, in America, we have made church a weekend event you just come to. We've made Christianity something you just experience, not something you live. We've made church just something you come and you're here for an experience or for an event. Instead of when we gather as a church, we are gathering as brothers and sisters in Christ to worship the one true God, to love one another, serve one another, care for one another, to do whatever it takes to reach more people for Christ. We're in a series, this is our second week, called Raise Them Up. And what we're doing is looking at our biblical responsibility as an older generation to raise up a younger generation. To say, here's what it means to follow Christ. Here's what it means to love the Lord. We want to see you raised up in the faith. We want to see you become men and women of faith in Christ. 
Last week we said that that's all our responsibilities, as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28. We're to make disciples. That's, that's a job description for all of us as Christians. We don't ever retire from the disciple-making business. When you come into 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul is writing a church in Corinth, and this church had a lot of issues. This church had a lot of problems. If you're a guest with us today and you are looking for a perfect church, you will need to continue your search. Because like the church of Corinth, we have issues, we have problems. The reason we're not a perfect church is because it's led by an imperfect man that needs Jesus. But when you come into chapter 9, you see Paul has this attitude of doing whatever it takes to reach people for Christ. And let me ask you this this morning. Is that your attitude? Would you come and say, yes, that's my attitude. I want to reach people for Jesus, and I'll do whatever it takes. But let me ask you, do your actions match your attitude? If that's your attitude, does your actions match that? I'm going to invite you to stand as we read verses 19 through 23 of 1 Corinthians 9. We like to stand as we read the Word of God together in honor of His Word. Picking up in verse 19 of chapter 9, Paul says, For though I am free from all, I've made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I have become a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it, verse 23, he says, for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. This is the word of God, not the word of Paul. You may be seated. In verse 19, Paul is explaining a concept that he has been uh, talking about in chapter 9 as how he has surrendered some of his rights and privileges as a pastor to reach people for Christ. And the attitude of verse 19 is he's saying, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to reach more people for Jesus. Now notice the actions of Paul. Look in verses 20 and 22 with me. He says, to the Jews, I became a Jew. He says, in order to win the Jews, to those under the law, I became as one under the law, though myself not being under the law, that I might win those to the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. Verse 22, to the weak, I became weak. There are four groups Paul is ministering to. He says, I'm ministering to the Jews. I'm ministering to those that are under the law. And we think there that he's talking about Gentiles who also may have been practicing Judaism. He says, I'm ministering to those outside the law. Those are Gentiles. I'm ministering to the weak. And now the weak there in that concept uh, may be young Christians that Paul is saying, I'm out to do whatever it takes to win some for Jesus and to save. If you notice throughout that text, he uses the word save. In verse 23, I'm there to save some. Five times in the text, you should have noticed the word win. I'm here to win some for Christ. Now let's understand, theologically, at the end of the day, Paul does not save people. You don't save someone. I don't save someone. Right? 
Isn't that a good thing that I don't have the responsibility and you have the responsibility to decide someone's salvation? Amen? Could you imagine a world where we have the power to save a soul or not save a soul? What would rush hour on 288 look like? Right? I mean, what? you let me in. You get to go to heaven. You cut me off. Well, you go the opposite direction now, right? You're at the grocery store. Clearly the line says 15 items or less. But what does Paul mean by win and save? Well, understand that even though we don't have the final say of someone's salvation, that we are partners with God in ministering the gospel. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, the Bible says that we have the Holy Spirit within us and he's the power we have for living. He has the power for us in ministry. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20 says we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on behalf of God, be reconciled to him. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 1, it is God who is working through us and in us that we plead with you not to receive the gospel in vain. So what you see through the Bible is God uses each one of us as ministers of the gospel. So I like to think about it this way. I do what I can do, and then I rely on God to do what God can do. He says, you go share, you go minister, you try to save some, you try to win some, you do what I'm calling you to do, and then you let me be me and let me do what I do. So what then are people saved from? Well, people in Romans 5, 9, they would be saved from the wrath of God. Notice what Romans 5, 9 says, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved from the wrath of God. When we share the gospel with people, we're trying to raise up the younger generation to follow Christ. We need to understand that non-Christians, unbelievers, people who don't follow Christ, have the wrath of God on them. The Bible would say right now, if you're not a Christian... The passive wrath of God remains on you. If you die without your sin, forgiven by Jesus Christ, you die without Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will experience the active wrath of God for all of eternity in hell. So when we seek to save some, when we seek to share the gospel and raise people up, we're helping them be saved from the wrath of God. But what are they being one to? If being saved means being saved from his wrath to come, what then does Paul mean when he says five times in the text, I want to win people? Well, win there means to be one into eternal life. John 3.36 says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Notice that, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Life. We want to see them one to eternal life. We want to see them one to Christ. We want to see them one to life. We want to see them saved from wrath. So Paul says, I'm doing whatever I can do. There's his four groups, verses 20 through 22. Jews and Gentiles. And listen, Jews and Gentiles, they are totally different groups. Different languages, different customs different you know, thought patterns, the way they receive information, take in information, spit out information, totally different groups. 
And Paul says, whatever I've got to do in those groups at that moment I'm ministering to, I will do to win some and save some for the gospel. I want you to think about us. As we talked about those four groups that Paul ministers to, think about our church. Within our church, you have five different generations that are represented. You have the builder generation. Some of you were born in the 20s, the 30s, or the 40s. You have the boomer generation. Some of you born in the 50s and 60s. You have Generation X, you have 70s and 80s. You have the millennials, 80s to 2000s. And you now have what's called Generation Z, what's predicted to be our largest generation to one day overtake the boomer generation. So you have five different generations within our church. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think we all think a little bit differently? Do you think we all communicate differently? Think we take information in and process information and communicate information differently? Yes. Among those five groups, we're radically different. Why? Because technology has changed us radically as a culture. I mean, I, I was thinking, and I, listen, I'm, I'm almost 42 years old. So for the youth and the young people, you're going to think I'm old. For others of you, you don't think I'm old. And, but I was thinking the other day, I was like, I, there was a time where, and for our young kids, this is going to blow your mind. If we wanted to change the channel, we stood up. <laughs> we walked. And we turned it. And then you had to go sit back down. Right? Remember that? Some of you probably didn't even have a TV when you first grew up. Right? I, I, I can remember when my dad brought the first computer home. And now that computer, this little phone would dwarf that thing back in the 80s. Right? And so what's happened? Things change. Let, let me just show you how, how fast things change. This first picture is from 2005. It's when Pope Benedict XVI is installed as the new pope. All right, now, so take a, take a good picture of that in your mind. Now, now you're going to see at the bottom right-hand corner, I don't know if you can make it out, but at the bottom right-hand corner, that, that person has a flip cell phone, right? And maybe back in 2005, it could have taken a picture, but it's not a great picture, right? So you know that Pope Benedict, he only lasted about eight years, then, then a new Pope came in 2013, and that was Pope Francis, same picture. Isn't that crazy? Eight years. And that's what you have. Right? Eight years of a difference. So let, let, let's be clear on something. When we think about what we do, the Bible's very clear. There's one way to be saved. There's one. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one's coming to the Father but through me. That's it. There's one way. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning, there's only one way to be saved. You place your faith, you place your trust, you, you place all your hope on the person and work of Jesus Christ. That, that's it. Listen, that message, it never changes. It hasn't changed for 2,000 years, and you and I aren't out to change it, right? That's the message we preach. One way to be saved through Christ. There are so many different ways to preach it. And there's different ways we can share it. And what might have worked 10 years ago might not work now. Might, what might have worked five years ago might not work now. What might work three years ago 
Might not work now. See, I think a lot of churches are primed for revival in the United States because they're waiting for the 1980s to come back. If the 80s come back, they're ready. They're they're primed for revival. But what you and I have to do is constantly adjust our methods to reach a culture that is constantly adjusting in the way they process, take in, and think about information. Now, notice again, I didn't say you change the message. The message stays the message. You change the method of how you get the message out. And that's what Paul's doing. When Paul ministers to Jews and Gentiles, he's constantly changing the method wherever he goes, but never the message. Notice in verse 22 what Paul says. He says, to the weak I became weak that I might win the weak, and I become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. When he says I became all things to all people, He says, I've got to do whatever it takes attitude. And my attitude's going to match my actions. Now, when he says, I become all things to all people, he's not compromising morality here. He's not saying to the thief, I became a thief. To the adulterer, I became an adulterer. No, he's not saying we compromise biblical standards. But he's saying we have to constantly think about who we're ministering to, how we can minister effectively to that culture of that day. And that's going to look differently than maybe when you grew up and when I grew up. And why? Why do we want to do it? Because I want you to notice verse 23, and I love this verse. He said, I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Paul says, I'm a person who does whatever it takes for the sake of getting the good news of Jesus Christ out to those who need to hear it, so I may share in its blessings with them. You know, when I was um, growing up, Christmas was my favorite holiday as a kid. Reason Christmas was my favorite holiday was because of the presents. Okay? Some of you are looking at me way too spiritual right now. You know you were the same as a kid, right? Now, birthdays were not a a huge deal to me growing up because I have a December birthday, and so my my folks and my friends were like, ah, you know, we're not going to really get you much for your birthday because Christmas is just right around the corner. We'll catch you up at Christmas. Okay, that's the way I was brought up. Birthdays were not a big deal to me until I met my wife. And then I quickly learned, Sandra taught me that birthdays take like a week to celebrate. (laughs) And sometimes maybe longer, right? But Christmas, I loved it because of presents. What kid didn't love that, right? You get presents at Christmas, and I love the presents. And then my parents would tell me something so weird, so strange. They said, it's better to give than to receive. And I'm looking at them, I'm like, are you guys nuts? Look at this bounty of gifts I have. I am surrounded by gifts. I've hit the mother load of Christmas. How are you telling me it's better to give than to receive? You guys are off your rocker. Man, I got all the toys. And then I became an adult and I had kids and I understood what they said. Because then I grew up and I started giving to my kids. And I understood, wait a minute, it is better to give than to receive. Because when I give a gift to my sons, 
I'm inviting them into my fellowship. See, when I give a gift and they can open that gift and they enjoy that gift and they love that gift, I share in that blessings with them. I was the giver. They were the receiver. There's part of a relationship there. And Paul's saying in this text, I'm going to do whatever I need to do for the weak. I'm going to do whatever I need to do for the Gentile. I'm going to do whatever I need to do for the person that doesn't know Christ because I want to share with them what I have. I want them to receive what I can give, and that's Christ. I want them to know the blessings I know. See, the gospel is never intended to stop with just you. When you have received Christ as your Savior, the gospel pushes us out now to be givers of that good news. You think about that. When you do that, and people are one to Christ... They are saved by Christ. You are now inviting them into the fellowship that you have with Christ. And you can celebrate that. You can enjoy that with them. And so I wanted to challenge you this morning. And I invite you to take out this insert in your bulletin. If you'll take that out and you can look at that with me right now. I want you to take a pen And at the bottom where it says my contact information on this square section. I want you to write your name your phone number, and your email down. Right here in your hand is every opportunity within our children's division to serve, to love, to do whatever it takes to reach kids for the gospel. And what I need you to do today is I need you to give them the gift of your love, the gift of your time, the gift of your service, At some point in your life, someone has done that for you. They have loved you. They have given them your time. They gave you their service, their love, their care. It's time for you to give it back. And so within all those spots, you can take a pen. You can check a box where you'd like to serve. You can put a big X through that box. However you want to indicate that box, I want you to do that. And I want you to listen to what we have going on. Right now in our preschool area, when I came two years ago, there were three rooms down our preschool hall we were not using. Right now, God has been blessing us over the last couple years. At 9 and 10.30, we have every room down that preschool hall being used. Recently, we had to open up two of those rooms. That means at 9 and 10.30, we have new kids in those rooms we didn't have. Those rooms right there are full and getting full. And that's a great thing. I love this little graphic I found for you. Down our special needs area, we've seen growth in our special needs department. Right now on Sunday mornings in our buddy rooms or our sensory rooms, and this is my kiddo right here and his his cheesy smile. But we have what we call two sensory rooms. Those sensory rooms are for kids whose learning styles don't best meet a typical classroom. So what we want to do with our kids with special needs is we want to help them learn in the best ways they possibly can learn. So we have two rooms that are sensory rooms. My guy is in one of those rooms because he's not going to be able to function in a typical class. Right now we are averaging five to six kids on a Sunday morning in those two rooms that we use. Those rooms are getting full. Then we have what's called buddies, and you can be a buddy. 
What we do with our buddy system in our special needs program is those are kids who may have some type of need that go into a typical life group or a typical 1030 time, but they need a little extra help. They just need a little extra somebody coming alongside them to help them stay on task and to keep learning. You can serve in that way. And I want to say a big thank you to our youth because we've been able to train five of our youth group recently to be buddies. And I appreciate them stepping up in that way. But there's ways in that that you can say, hey, I want to help in our special needs department. I want to help in our preschool department. We mentioned Team Kid. David Hogan, who did our, our welcome today, said, my favorite part of Heights is Team Kid. Team Kid meets on Wednesday night. That's from grades one through five. Right now we're averaging 30 kids on Wednesday nights, grades one through five. Some of those Wednesday nights we have maybe three helpers, four at the max, with 30 kids. Right? Not all of them are our kids. Some of them are kids from the community we're able to reach. And we started reaching kids that live around our church. And we're trying to build relationships with them to invite them into our church. There's great opportunities on Wednesday night for you to give of your time, to give of your love, to give of your service to these kids. Then we have our Upward Basketball and Cheerleading program that's about to start. Upward Basketball, it runs eight weekends. It starts in January. It runs through early part of March. There's two practice weeks or weekends, and then there's six game weekends. You practice on a Friday night. You play on Saturday. Upward Basketball and Cheerleading, last year we had 140 kids in the program. There were 34 volunteers to run that program. Out of the 34 volunteers, eight were from our church. That means we're entrusting people from other churches in our community to run a program that is ours. To do a job of sharing the gospel, inviting people to our church, that's our responsibility. And so what we're going to be doing with our Upward Basketball and Cheerleading program this year is we are returning it back to its intentional evangelistic roots. And what's going to happen is we will not base the league size this year on registration, but on Heights participation. And so we will only have teams this year in upward basketball and cheerleading that Heights people are represented on it. There's four ways that you can be a part of that. You can be a coach. You can be an assistant coach. You can be a team parent. You can be a team chaplain. Obviously, a coach and assistant coach, that's self-explanatory. What it means to be a team parent is you're the parent that your kid may be already playing on the team. Well, be the one that organizes the snacks and the drinks for that team. Maybe a team chaplain. You want to be the person that helps lead those devotions. You want to help with prayer. You want to help with those prayer requests they may have. Those opportunities are there, but we want to win kids this year and families through upward basketball, and we want to get it back to the intentional evangelistic outreach that it needs to be. Amen? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that list. I want you to take a pen, and I want you to find your spot. I'm going to answer this question for you right now. Some of you might be thinking, well, I need to pray about that, and is God calling me to serve? Yes. <laughs> you know why I can say yes? Because I've already been praying for you. <laughs> and whether it's a week, a month, two weeks, a month, I challenge some of you, give a year. So you know what? I, I'm going to step out of life group for a year. I'm going to step out of studying the Bible so much, and I'm going to actually do what the Bible calls me to do. I'm going to maybe step out of choir for a while. Why? 
Because will we be people that does whatever it takes to win people for Christ or not? Because here's the thing, and I'll close with this. Every one of us is going to stand before Jesus one day. And when you stand before Jesus, you're going to face one of two judgments. One judgment that some of you will face is what we call the great white throne judgment. It's a judgment of salvation. Now, when you get to that moment in time when you meet Jesus, that isn't a time for second chances or, or other opportunities. No, if you die without Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, as I said earlier in the message, and, and believe me, I mean this with all care and love and grace that I possibly can muster, you will be separated from God in a Christless eternity for all of eternity. You died without Christ. You had opportunities. You said no to Jesus. And that's a, a judgment you'll have to face. But then there's a judgment for believers. Now understand, as Christ followers, when we meet Christ, that's not a judgment unto salvation. When you come to know Jesus Christ, you turn from your sin and you trust Christ by faith. Your sin is removed. The wrath of God is removed. You're saved. But when you stand before Christ, you have to answer for the life you lived as a Christian. And that judgment is a judgment based on rewards. And will you be able to say to Jesus... I did all I could do to reach my kid for Christ. I did all I could do to reach my grandkids for Christ. I did all I could do as a member of Heights Baptist Church for when I was, then when the kids you entrusted with us, I did all I could do to reach those kids for Christ. I did all I could do to reach my community for Christ. Will you be a person that does whatever it takes to reach people for Christ. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. On Sunday mornings, we have life groups for all ages at 9 a.m., followed by worship service at 10.30 a.m. For more information about how to support the ministry of Heights Baptist Church, go to heightschurch.org. give